relative humidity is standing at 78%. And that's the news from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Jenny Lam and my co-presenter this morning is Janice Wong. Good morning, Janice. Good morning. Today, we'll be looking at ways to improve the mental health of young people. The Education Bureau has just distributed a grant of $80,000 to every local primary and secondary school to help promote mental health. Schools have also been told to review the workload of students over the next two academic years and to make the well-being of pupils the priority. This comes after the University of Hong Kong's Jockey Club Center for Suicide Research and Prevention recorded 22 cases of school or university students taking their own lives or attempting to do so between August and October this year, double that for the same period last year. So what mental health challenges are students facing? How should the grant be spent to help young people? And so let us know what you think. You can leave us a message here on our Facebook page, email us at backchat at rthk.hk or call us on 233-88266. So joining us on the line this morning, we have Marvin Chang. He's a chairman of the Hong Kong Education Policy Concern Organization. Good morning, Mr. Chang. Hi, good morning. morning. And also Sky Sioux, uh, Executive Director of Kelly Support Group. Kelly Support Group is uh, an organization, that an, an NGO that um, helps young people with the mental health issues. Uh, let's go to you first, Sky. What are some of the mental health challenges that you're seeing among young people in recent months? Uh, good, morning. good morning. Yeah, everyone. Yeah, um, yeah, sorry, sorry. Um, just hold on, Mr. Chang. Sky, okay. let's go to you first. What are some of the mental health issues that you are seeing among young people? Yeah, thank you so much for that. Um, I think, you know, um, I mean, everyone's really talking about this and we all know this. Um, and that is, you know, primarily just, you know, after the COVID situation and just with a lot of the academic sort of courses needing to be caught up both on the school fronts, but also with young people just socially and also emotionally. I think that there's been a lot of pressure just all around for young people um, to be able to catch up and to be able to come back to a post-COVID normal kind of world. And so I think that those are sort of generally sort of the trends that we have been seeing and um, we are also con- also concerned with some of the things that are also brewing, particularly around um, longer-term issues, just with relationships with family, and also just the ability for young people to readjust and sort of adjust back into um, face-to-face social norms. Um, and that, of course, includes being back in school and into daily activities as well. Right. And Sue, I know your group also has a hotline for youth. Um, have you been receiving many calls over the past few months? Uh, so we actually, we don't have a crisis hotline. Uh, so that actually differentiates a little bit the work that we're doing in terms of the hotline. What we are what we are providing is a help referral system. Um, and so that's something that uh, we find very interesting because whilst you will see a lot of generally a lot more calls with hotlines that are more crisis-centered, when it comes to help seeking and actually getting support and referral, we're not seeing as much. And so that's something that's an area of concern for us because while we know that there's a lot of 
issues that are brewing and that young people are struggling, but unfortunately, they may not be reaching out for help as much. Right. Um, with, so according to the um, uh, CUHK study, the number of suicides or the number of young people who attempt to take their own lives have spiked between October, uh, between August and October. And so this is a time when they're all preparing to go back to very normal school. I mean, you know, we, we went back to, to school last year, but, but there was still a lot of hybrid teaching. What are some of the issues that you're seeing more recently, Sky? Yeah, so um, first of all, I think the peak that we're seeing in terms of the trends is something that we see year on year. It's, it's a very common time where we might have a, a higher peak of, of these kind of instances, and some of the data has shown that. Um, unfortunately, this year we have seen a higher peak than normal. Um, you know, the research center has really shown us that, you know, some of the numbers have actually doubled. And I think in particular, it is that readjustment back into, you know, that I mentioned earlier. It is that readjustment. It's um, not just the academic pressure of catching up, but it's also the social pressures as well. Um, and the fact that, you know, young people have been out of commission in the sense of being able to develop their social and emotional learning opportunities. Um, and so being emotions in particular is something that we haven't really had a chance to input for young people uh, for a quite a number of years. So I think that that's something that is quite important, um, particularly in their development um, and particularly around key transitions. So right. whether it's moving into a place of university or moving into a place of secondary school or moving into a place of having major exams, public exams versus, you know, just regular exams. So that's something that we're seeing that is in particular different. Okay. And an additional pressure for young people. Okay, so this is, by the way, that study was Hong Kong U, not CUHK. So over to you, Melvin Chung. Now Hi. that the Education Bureau ha uh, is giving schools this grant, what do you think the schools should be using this money for? They have $80,000 each, primary and secondary schools. Yeah, uh, you know, for these $80,000 um, uh, um, as a, as a one-off grant to, to local schools, um, there are two components. Sixty thousand uh, dollars of of it uh, will be will be given to school uh, administration um, to organize some kind of uh, mental health related activity, and then the remaining twenty thousand dollars will be given to parent teacher association, and the local public sector schools, uh, which will uh, which are intended to enable um, the the PTA the parent teacher teacher associations to organize uh, education activities for families uh, on how to support their children's uh, mental health through collaborations with the schools. What kind of activities now, are you actually thinking about? Now, um, according to the EDB, they have some uh, advice and suggestions. For instance, the schools were asked to organize a mental health day in November and, and promote uh, of physically healthy activities. And then uh, there will be a resource kit on mental health which will be distributed to, to the stakeholders. And, uh, and of course, the schools themselves may, may, use, uh, may use the money to, um, to do some, some other things which are important to the well-being of students um, in terms of their poverty uh, in, in, in school education, and that uh, close attention can be paid to their mental health. Yeah. So, you, mentioned, you mentioned some of it will be given to the Parents Teachers Association. What kind of role do you hope parents can play? 
Now, um, of course, uh, every child will spend quite a lot of time uh, in schools. But then uh, after school, uh, of course, some of them may go for some uh, uh, voluntary and private activities, such as private tuition. But then uh, they will also stay for in long, long hours in, uh, at home. So the kind of uh, attention uh, and also support in, 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 in family and also families' um, relationship and co- collaboration with uh, schools are very important in ensuring the, um, the healthy growth of, of, of children and also their and also their academic learning. So um, I think um, activities could be done along uh, along such lines so that students can be given sufficient attention and uh, enough help when needed, as well as uh, they can be given uh, appropriate uh, personal help in, in schools uh, to be given by teachers. But one point is that uh, we, have, uh, we really have the difficulty of finding time and manpower with a big constraint in uh, in realizing uh, all, all, all the objectives and and advice that are given by the EDB. Okay, um, let's 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 take a look at, at those um, data that we have for. Um very sad suicide among young people. So according to the coroner's court report, there were 39 cases um, uh, of, of uh, young people taking their lives, and many of these are aged 19 and younger last year. And among them, um, there were more women, were more girls and boys. Um, 70% of, of the incidents involved uh, girls, and most of these teenagers were found to have experienced academic relationship or family problems. Sky put a give us some perspective. How much does um, academic work play in, in, in this kind of pressure, relationships, family? What are the, some of the cases that you've been seeing? Um, do you know what? Actually, all of this is actually quite, um, it's all con- connected together. You know, I don't think that any one of these cases that we have ever seen um, is singularly prominently one of these areas because what we're seeing is actually it's a combination of all of it um, and some of the pressures that generally that we're seeing with the young people is that you know um, when they're not able to cope um, when they're not able to um, be able to respond uh, positively or be able to manage the emotions that come along with some of the challenges then that's when it becomes really difficult for them and it becomes an issue that they they feel like they have no hope and they're not they're not able to to cope anymore. Um, and that's primarily the thing that we're seeing. And I think that, you know, the unfortunate thing is that we're also not seeing that young people are actually getting the help that they need in advance. And so it always comes to a critical crisis point before the family or the people that are around them are realizing that actually they may need some support. And so one of the things that we are really strongly seeing is that, you know, um, and and wondering about is why is it that young people are actually not seeking the help that they need in advance? You know, um, some things that we've just, you've just mentioned, the reasons, you know, for for these um, unfortunate incidents, you know, it's not something that happens overnight. It's something that happens over a longer term period. And and so, you know, there's actually opportunities for preventative support as well. Um, You know, so so I teach at Hong Kong Baptist University, and I tell you, one of the 
surprising question that a student asked um, me, and she's 19 years old at, at the beginning of the semester, or, or actually last year, was, uh, are you willing to take your mask off? Are you ready to take your mask off? Is that something that you, you're seeing among young people, that, that three years of mask wearing makes going back to normal life just a, a challenge? This socializing with people is just a challenge, Sky. Are you seeing that? Well, definitely. I think it plays in part for sure. Because wearing masks, I mean, our faces really speak a lot in terms of how we are thinking, how we feel, you know, or even whether or not we're able to recognize another person, you know. Um, and I think that that's, you know, it's almost like a way of feeling sick um, um, and not having to uh, integrate or interact. Um, and so, you know, I think that, you know, Taking off the mask is, is almost like a sim symbolic way of um, really realizing that we need to integrate more. We need to have more of that face-to-face -face time with other people and have that interaction, which requires a lot of practice, actually. Um, you know, and it starts from a very young age as well, right? So after a couple of years of not having that, um, you know, that that actually becomes um, a barrier for a lot of young people to be able to interact once again. Um, but I think, you know, the interesting thing that the comment that was made is, you know, rather than saying, am I ready, is, you know, is actually, is there other ways that I can, how can I be proactive? Or if, you know, it's about a conversation around, okay, now that we have no more math, you know, what is it that we need to relearn? Or what are the things that we are anxious about or, or nervous about, you know, rather than just focusing on the mask itself? Okay, so uh, one of our um, listeners, Bowen, has written in, and he's saying that far too little is being done to give Hong Kong people a much-needed boost in their knowledge and understanding of the origins of mental health, the spectrum of treatments available, and their efficacy. Um, he says, identifying risk factors, root causes, coming up with new strategies, and implementing them takes time. Boosting people's knowledge can be achieved relatively quickly, providing it's provided it is seriously and dispassionately carried out with determination. Mervyn Chung, um, do, you, do you agree? How can we boost people's knowledge, not just the students, but, but teachers and, and school principals and parents? How can we boost people's knowledge and understanding of what mental health illness actually is? Well, this can only be, yeah, I, I agree that um, not only students, but also their, their teachers and their, their, school, their school principals, as well as the parents, would need to be educated on, on proper um, mental health. Because all along, uh, we, in fact, we know not, not too much about um, uh, uh, mental health. So in order that the proper guidance and also counseling can be given to, to the younger generation, I think um, the seniors, like the teachers, the parents, and also the, the school heads, would need to be uh, quite substantially aware of, of the um, of the issues that are evolved as well as the way to, to tackle. And uh, in this re uh, in this regard, the EDD um, does suggest that the stress relief workshops and the organization works to deal with emotional troubles uh, and the creation of uh, mental health corners in schools are, are advocated. So uh, maybe that can be tried out uh, over the next two years, and then uh, we have a review on the effectiveness of such activities and, and the, and the one-off grants that are given um, to them uh, will uh, justify or not. 
Right, Mr. Chung. I mean, earlier Sky Su, she uh, she talked about a workload of students, and uh, apart from uh, giving out this uh, one-off grant, the Education Bureau um, also told schools to uh, review the workload of students over the next uh, two academic years and uh, to make the well-being of pupils uh, the priority. What's your uh, view of the workload these days? I mean, has it uh, has it improved? I mean, do do I mean students have to do more work now or, or less compared to uh, before the COVID pandemic, for example? I think both um, students and teachers have more work to do um, than the pandemic uh, pandemic uh, years. Now, for the students, as you can uh, as you can see from the uh, the recent TSA territory wide uh, system assessment. Um, the, the release of results uh, indicated that um, Hong Kong students' performance um, is, is uh, dropping. And so it's, it's natural that uh, since the resumption of classes earlier this year, and especially um, in the new academic year starting in September this year, there will be a lot of uh, giving up for students in terms of their capacity and also uh, in terms of the time to, 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 to learn academically and to deal with tests and, and, and examinations. So this naturally create a lot of pressure on, on, on the students. And the EDD um, does realize that um, pupils still need time to adapt to unprecedented changes which are engendered by the, by the pandemic as they resume their academic studies and social life. And they may also feel stressed when facing different forms of assessment. So I think, um, apart from organizing um, mental health-related activities for students and also for the parents, uh, workload reviews are very important um, in order to ensure that teachers can really cope with their workload and at the same time spare time to uh, open up further communication on a regular or even frequent basis with students. And this looks rather impossible under the current hectic workload in schools. Right. We have a um, listener um, who's left a message on our Facebook page, uh, Ilna Manakmatov. Um, He's saying that um, schools should prioritize giving support to staff so that they can identify students who need help. And also he's suggesting that peer support network um, should be established in schools. He's also suggesting that um, therapy such as art therapy, for example, is, has been proven useful in other countries. Skysu, what do you think about peer support group? Um, so actually peer support training is one of the primary projects that Kelly has been rolling out um, for youth in Hong Kong. And, you know, we, we have been actively uh, developing our peer support training work um, for schools to take up. And we have seen um, through surveys that we have done that the number one group of people that young people will respond to is actually their peers. Um, if they have any difficulties, the first person they will talk to is their peers. And so um, a very effective way, an evidence-based way, is actually to train young people to know how to support their peers, how to respond, um, not in a counseling way, but simply in a supportive way, and also to know how to help their friends guide through the help referral that they need, whether it's um, encouraging them, going with them to a counselor, or talking them through a difficult conversation that they may want to have with a family member or a friend, 
and just being an, an active, supportive listener. That's really critical and really important to um, encourage a young person in that emotional journey. Um, and so that's actually very cute. But I think that, you know, the difficult thing is that, you know, we've been doing this for a long time, but we've also seen barriers in being able to offer this. You know, and we were talking about earlier the workload and, and staffing support, and actually a lot of schools can really utilize resources like what Kelly Support Group offers, you know, in terms of this peer support training to actually bring that as a way to capacity build this whole school community, whether it's for the teachers or, or for other young people to be able to support others around them. Um, and it's, it's actually down to the priority as well because we've seen that, you know, for a school to bring um, us to do a training program, for example, it means sacrificing something else in the academic curriculum, which sometimes they find it very difficult to do so. And so I think that we, you know, as, as lovely and as great as the scheme is, I think one of the things that we also need to think about is how this can be um, a catalyst for to help you know schools be able to really think through um, and and work through prioritizing some of these sort of training and support um, that is provided to young people in the schools. Uh, something that would be more longer term, something that can actually go beyond just you know the month of November, for example. Right. Um, so you we were talking about peer support group, and you're saying you know young people um, maybe they can be um, not exactly trained, but but um, explain to them how to empathize. But at what point uh, should a young person um, seek professional help? Or, or, you know, if you have a friend and he or she comes to you, you know, and, and says, I'm depressed, I have suicidal thoughts, at what point should that young person, the friend, um, go and seek um, help? Yeah, so we have a pretty comprehensive training program that helps young people identify what those are. Um, and actually be able to, one of the big important elements is actually to recognize what your boundaries are as a young person and what your role is and what your role is not. Um, and one of the primary things is that in an emergency, you know, first of all, you need to know where the different um, support networks are uh, around you. And so part of the training is actually to help young people first identify what kind of support networks they have for those emergency situations what kind of support networks they have within their school, their community, um, for longer-term care, like therapy, for example, um, so that they are able to respond and also to recognize when it is their role and when it is not. Um, I can't just, you know, give off a specific, you know, scenario because the scenarios could be very different. But the, there are lots of different um, steps that we do go through with young people to let them know that, you know, as a supportive person, it's first this about, you know, knowing what's around you, what's available, how to respond, how to react, and then, and then the action of actually proactively encouraging your friend to seek for some of those help. Um, a lot of young people feel quite judged by others around them when they start thinking about, you know, seeking for help. And we've seen lots of cases where even parents or they feel where parents would, you know, discourage them or they feel like their friends are not supporting them. So that's something that's really important in the peer support training to let young people know that, you know, they need to have that um, a supportive sort of element when they're dealing with a friend who might be more vulnerable. Right. And Sky, see, you also mentioned uh, your youth referral service uh, earlier, the Project Connect. Um, can anybody call? I mean, what sort of advice do you, do you offer? Yeah, so um, our Project Connect is a help referral system, which is it's, it's, uh, to help young people um, 
to really understand that process of help seeking. So if they have any indication or they feel like they have somebody around them, or even if it's a parent who is thinking about, you know, a young person in their life that they feel like they need to seek for help, then that's something that, you know, they we would we would be uh, available for. Uh, we focus on young people aged 14 to 24, um, and it's about connecting them to those long-term care, uh, long-term therapy that they might need. And it's the, the objective really is to shorten the time that young people actually get to the help they need. And if they're young people who are unsure or, or feel like they don't really understand what help-seeking is, is to help them to understand that process better, to reduce some of the stigma that is faced in society today around help seeking. Right, and the number to call is? Sky Sue, um, what num- what's the number? Yes, yes, the number to call is 5647-6688. 5647-6688. And it's also a WhatsApp helpline as well. All right. And, and, and of course, that's just one number you can call for help. There are many others, of course. Uh, for example, Samaritan Befrienders Hong Kong has a hotline that uh, caters specifically for young people who need advice. And uh, their number is 2389-2227. There's also Caritas Inf- Inf- Infinity Teens Cyber Youth Support Team. And their service is available on WhatsApp and Signal. And uh, their number is 9377-3666. OK, well, thank you very much, Mervyn Chang from Hong Kong Education Policy Concern Group and Sky. You're from Kelly Support Group. Uh, now let's take a look at the weather. It's fine and it's dry during the day with a maximum temperature of around 26 degrees. Moderate east to northeasterly winds. The outlook is for mainly fine and dry weather in the next few days. The temperature difference between day and night will be rather large tomorrow and it will be warm during the day. Currently, the outside temperature is 22 degrees Celsius and the relative humidity is 77%. <laughs> And here's Heliop with the news. Hundreds of taxi drivers have called off a three-hour strike that was due to start this morning after authorities said they'd review legislation relating to unauthorized ride-hailing services. The taxi industry previously said it was planning to have 500 taxis parked at a car park in Taipo. Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is holding a series of meetings with his war cabinet and government ministers to discuss a proposed deal to free hostages held in Gaza. If the deal mediated by Qatar is finally approved, the Israeli hostages being held by Hamas could be freed over the coming days. And the chief executive of Binance, Chang Peng Zhao, has stepped down and is to pay a 50 million U.S. dollar fine after pleading guilty to violating U.S. anti-money laundering rules. Binance itself, the world's largest cryptocurrency exchange, will pay fines totaling 4.3 billion U.S. dollars. I'll have more news for you at 10 o'clock. The municipal solid waste charging starts on April 1st, 2024. You must use designated bags for waste disposal at waste collection points of buildings or of the Food and Environmental Hygiene Department. Affix designated labels to oversized waste. Designated bags will be sold in nine sizes at 11 cents per liter, while the labels are $11 each. Read the property management notice for any other arrangements. Use designated bags for waste disposal. Do it the right way. When the local seasonal influenza activity increases, if we fail to strengthen our immunity against flu in time, the risk of contracting flu could shoot up. Getting the flu jab can boost the immunity against flu and reduce the risks of severe complications and death. Don't drop your guard against flu, especially for persons aged 50 or above, children, pregnant women, and residents of residential care homes. Don't wait. Get a jab. 
keep flew away. And welcome back to Backchat. This morning we're talking about the increasing number of suicide among students in Hong Kong. And joining us on the line now is Alan Din. He's a lecturer at the Department of Social Work at Chinese University of Hong Kong. Good morning, Mr. Din. Good morning. Good morning. So what are some of the um, issues you've been seeing among your own students recently? Okay, so... Uh, uh uh, actually, uh, among our own students, I mean, the university, I would say uh, the mental health problem is also very serious. And many students have suffered from uh, different kinds of mood issues like depression and anxiety. So I guess it's not uh, uh, the situation of over Hong Kong. All right. Um, one of our listeners, Henry Young, he's um, listed some of the issues that he's been seeing. He's talking about aggressive classmates um, and being bullying other people uh, mm. and uh, sexual assault. And he's pointed out in like the recent case um, with university orientation camps, um, mm. kids who can't cope with adaptations to new schools and, mm. and you know, being new to universities or even shamed mm. or insulted by classmates. Mm. What, what do so you I think? think? Yeah, sorry, sorry. Yes. I think, uh, of course, you know, uh, going to the university is a new environment. So there should certainly be to some adaptation issues. But I think uh, the mental health issues of uh, the university students actually can trace back to their go-up experience. So I would like to stress that uh, if you talk about the root of the problem of the mental health issues, uh, there will be two issues that I would like to highlight. The first one is about family. And the second one is about education system. When I talk about family, uh, I'm not only talking about child abuse, but also, you know, uh, in Hong Kong, uh, many many children grow up in family where the parents are having trans relations. I ex experienced some cases, some situations that the children have been trapped in the battle between the mother and father, and they feel so helpless. And also, you know, at the family, uh, the parents are all, always very busy. So there's so another issue of lack of care and concern. So uh, they only give them money uh, to buy uh, 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 the things, but actually the care and love is not there. So this is the first issue. The second issue is about the education system. So talking about the education system, many people talk about uh, uh, the overload of homework. Uh, that's true, but I'm not only, uh, I'm not only stressed about the this issue. There's also another issue is the stress on competition and comparison. You know, in school, we're starting from primary school and secondary school. Actually, uh, the students learn that their value, their self-value, their sense of self-worth is designed by their achievement, either academic achievement or other areas of achievement. So that creates unnecessary stress and distress on them. So recently, I have received an inquiry that uh, uh, Secondary students has that uh, 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 bill has been promoted to a permanent school, a prestigious permanent school. Um, suppose it is a very good thing, but uh, but she she has been uh, facing some education issues, and uh, so uh, she feels the stress uh, uh, from the academic, and also uh, she find uh, it's very difficult uh, to survive in the in the school because you know at the comp comparison atmosphere, the environment is so keen. So. Uh, so she starts to uh, refuse to go back to the school and uh, just lock up in his in her room. So uh, the, the parents try to talk to her, but she just refused to communicate. So you can see, uh, I, I mean, the, the stress uh, faced by the uh, our next generation. Uh, we have to 
look into issues. So what I want to say, uh, we don't have a magic pills to cure uh, mental health issues like depression, anxiety. Of course, uh, I agree the government can increase the medical resources, but uh, only increase the medical resources only to fit with our uh, children and adolescents with uh, pills, with uh, medicine is not enough. I think we have to reflect uh, caring family and campus could help. So this is this is the area that I think we, sh- we should have uh, have a deep reflection among our society. Yeah, I'm interested in that point that you made uh, about how many Hong Kong kids um, see themselves, mm. that their self-worth is, is, is based on the academic achievement. And so it seems to me that you're saying that we need to change the mindset, not just of the, maybe of the children, but also of the adults around them. Yeah. How do you think we can do that? I think it's really difficult because we have talking about uh, the same issues for many years. But even it is difficult, but we still have to reflect because, you know, the situation has become more and more serious. I guess the figure, we don't have an official figure because the government never released an official figure about uh, the seriousness, seriousness of the mental health uh, issues among our adolescents and children. But uh, from what I have encountered uh, uh, my social circle and also my contact with my former students and also my former colleagues in the social welfare sector, I guess the figure is far more bigger than we expect. So it's the time for the society to rethink uh, whether we still uh, want to keep that kind of uh, uh, atmosphere that we are so emphasized on the competition, emphasize on comparison, emphasize on achievement. I'm not only talking about uh, academic achievement, but also other areas like uh, music, arts, sports, uh, or uh, we want our next generation to uh, to be go up in an atmosphere with a care, love, and concern. This is an I think this is an issue that we, as a society as a whole, including the government, including the community, including the parents, including ourselves, we have to think about it. Even in our university, I can say to you. Uh, even the students, uh, uh, they, they promote to the university and uh, they are still so emphasized on their academic results of the GPA. So uh, uh, they also try to uh, rate themselves uh, to uh, uh, establish their self-confidence or self-value uh, depending on their academic results. So uh, it seems that, I mean, I mean the, that kind of atmosphere, I think we have to change. Um, y- you know, uh Suicide among young people by a long shot is not unique to Hong Kong. I was just looking online. Um, and, and then the U- U.S., for example, um, uh, according to the National Institute of Mental Health, suicide is also the leading cause of death there. Um, and there they, they find that the disparity uh, by race, by family, by income, for example. So why? I mean, my question is, why are more and more young people seeing suicide as a way out? Is it because uh, uh, there's nowhere to, you know, nowhere they can find help? Why, why is that? Uh, you think social media has a role, answer, maybe? I would say it's a very difficult to answer. I would say because uh, you know uh, every every situation is unique, but uh, in general, you can see our young people actually don't feel happy. You know, uh, they experience the encounter all kinds of stress and distress uh, in their lives. So when it reach a level that they cannot uh, tolerate, so there's a likelihood that they will resort to self-harm. Uh, some will uh, go to, you know, uh, 
waste cutting and some will uh, resort to a more serious means. So, so that's why I think that we have to try to uh, think about to create a stress-free or a caring uh, atmosphere or environment for our young people. What do you think is the role of social media in all of this? Well, of social media, sure, there's a role. Uh, you know, uh, social media, when uh, actually, normally, they will portray a very happy life. You know, uh, everybody is so happy, everybody is so bright. But, you know, actually, we are, the young people, they also have their sad signs, uh, their dark signs. But, of course, we, we, we don't want to show our dark side, want to show our sex side. That's why when the young people look into social media, they will think other people are very happy. I'm the only one feel sad. So, and it is that kind of comparison will also make them feel distressed and depressed. Right. And uh, Mr. Den, you're talking about uh, the need to improve uh, mental health of students and uh, you suggested uh, changing the mindset of parents, of students and uh, to, mm. to rethink uh, a lot of things. Um, and uh, this morning, we're, we're also talking about how the Education Bureau has uh, distributed a grant of uh, $80,000 to uh, uh, local primary and secondary schools to help promote mental health. How do you think uh, this uh, money should be spent? Actually, as far as I know, the money will be used uh, to recruit some uh, professional staff, uh, maybe social workers, maybe uh, psychiatric nurses, to try to do more to do more screening and identification. So I guess the money is okay. Of course, increasing resources is always welcome. So uh, I'm also pretty sure that there will be more students will be identified, will be screened out, so that uh, they have some follow-up for them. But uh, you know, but I want to stress that. Uh, for the mood and uh, mental health issues, actually, uh, if a student feels unhappy, uh, normally uh, met, uh, most of them will not uh, come to seek help, uh, take the initiative to seek help. Instead, they will try to hide their problem. What, what I mean is that uh, there will always be hidden students or hidden uh, students with hidden mental health issues that we will never, we can never identify, even if we, in, we uh, uh, increase our resources. So this is an area that uh, we have to pay attention. Yeah, we already said that uh, the, the, the causes of, of suicide obviously is stress, both mm. uh, in terms of family relationships, in terms of mm. schoolwork. So isn't the answer just to reduce the stress? Um, and how should they be doing this at primary level and secondary school level? It has to lead to the parents and the school, right? You know, the schools. So uh, still, uh, we have talked about the issues uh, I think uh, for uh, decades or uh, many years, but still uh, nowadays, uh, as far as I know, the school is still very keen on the giving so many assignments, uh, so many homeworks to their students, and also the level of the curriculum is, is so high, uh, you know, uh, the content is so difficult. Uh, so these are issues that I think the, the, the school and the parents, they have to be spread. So is it necessary? So I'm not sure uh, whether it is necessary for students to learn uh, to, to have so many homeworks, uh, to learn so, so difficult things. I don't think it's, it is necessary. What, are, what, what about in terms of policy? Do you think there should be changes in policy to ease that stress? The policy uh, uh, is, is up to the government to think, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, now the banding system uh, of the school, uh, which is emphasized on the comparison of this, uh, reflect the different level of the school, also reflect the different level of students. So uh, I'm, I think it's a very difficult question to answer. Uh, I'm not there to say that we should cancel the banding system, but at least uh, the government 
should look into uh, the so-called initism or the so-called uh, the emphasis on competition and comparison, that kind of issues, how can be, uh, I mean, relief uh, in, in the school. So because I'm sure that, uh, you know, uh, 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 the people in the school will listen to the government, right? If the government has some kind of directions, some kind of guidelines uh, to, to ask uh, the schools to uh, place less stress on the students, maybe they, they will fall. All right. And uh, earlier when you talk about uh, changing mindsets, you said it's a very difficult process. When we talk about this, do you think it should start with uh, parents or schools? Both, uh, well, I would say, right? So if you look at it, it's very ironic. So, uh, you know, uh, in, in these times, there are so many uh, people immigrated to UK, to Canada. So uh, also my friends, uh, when I talk to them, I can see the change, you know, uh, uh, that, that their children studying in the school in Canada, in UK and in other countries, uh, suddenly they feel much more happy. And uh, the reason is so simple, because uh, there's less homework. And also, you know, uh, in, in, in the class, oh, there's so many activities, not only listen to the lecture. So that's why they feel, suddenly they feel so happy. So you see the comparison. So uh, when, so it's so ironic that uh, some of the parents have to send their children overseas uh, uh, to try to... Uh, I mean, uh, to lessen the stress, but I, I think this is also a lesson that we have, we should learn. So you see, uh, people in UK, people in the other countries, uh, does, does that mean that uh, less homeless means that they cannot produce very good people? They cannot produce very quality people? No. They, their manpower is also uh, in a high level. So I don't know why we have to insist on the current situation or the current uh, ways of practice. Thank you very much, Alan Din, from the um, Department of Social Work and COHK for joining us this morning. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. Hi, I'm Secretary for Housing, Winnie Ho. Happy birthday to RTHK's 95th anniversary. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88266 and have your say. And so on Backchat this morning, we're talking about the increasing number of suicides among young people, particularly students. Uh, we're joined right now uh, with by uh, Dr. May Lam. She's the founder and president of the Hong Kong Mental Wellness Association. Um, so, Dr. Lam, hello. Good morning. Good morning, morning Jenny good and Janet. Good morning. So um, the Education Bureau has uh, uh, distributed $80,000 to the schools. How do you think it should be spent? Right, okay. Now, I think it's a very good initiative of increasing resources to the schools. And uh, now, I think, um, well, it can be done uh, at various levels because we do understand that, like, um, I think there are various reasons for this increasing trend of suicide, like uh, in particular this year, you know, compared to last year that we, we lost, uh, you know, number of lives of the students. But then, like, uh, of course, like, um, there are a lot of reasons that we can think about it. Number one, because I think this is the first academic year of a full academic year ever since 2019. Because, like, previous few years, uh, students were interrupted by online classes or, you know, sus suspending classes altogether. Now, this is the first um, time. Now, 
Of course, there are other reasons of why, you know, um, suicidal cases, including like the competitiveness nature of, um, you know, academic studies and, you know, the parents and also students, they're pushing themselves too hard. And also, on the other hand, we might think of whether or not, like, um, you know, these days, our parents, uh, you know, a lot of parents are highly educated. Maybe it's like the overprotectiveness of parents, you know, uh, because they had planned everything so well for the children. And as a result, you know, that jeopardized, you know, um, their, their opportunity to be resilient, to learn how to, you know, uh, cope with difficulties because everything uh, so well. Now, there are a lot of reasons for that. But then if we look at the international uh, studies on youth suicide, those who actually committed suicide under the age of 18. Now, there are a number of things that we need to pay attention to. Number one, like, uh, because read the international, uh, like, um, you know, literatures and all that, I think the majority, I, I mean, uh, for those who actually completed, um, you know, suicide, who actually, you know, uh, passed away, if you look at the young people, uh, the majority of them, up to 80 to 90% of them, have underlying uh, mental health issues. Now, majority of these, two-thirds of these mental health issues are mood-related, like anxiety and depression and so forth. Now, um, so the other thing that we can draw from the international uh, studies research on youth suicide is, you know, it's seasonal. Like seasonal, meaning that there is a peak season and there is a low peak season. Now, holidays are the low peak. Like, but right immediate holiday is a high peak season. So, like, these are, you know, some of the things that we know about it. Now, talking about, like, um, you know, uh, to help the students suicide, of course, like, uh, we look at the primary prevention model for all the students, then, you know, have some well-being program, you know, focus on their healthy, healthy lifestyles, you know, stress management and, you know, exercise and balance diet and so forth. But then we also need to pay attention into, because from the existing literature, like, um, you know, those who actually completed suicide, we're not talking about like deliberate self-help, you know, some hang, uh, you know, uh, risk cutting that could be a different group of students. But those who actually completed suicide literature has told us that, you know, uh, you know, majority of those have underlying, you know, um, health issues. Then we also need to target onto, you know, recognitions, early detections and are on, you know, signs and symptoms of, you know, anxiety, depression, and also like with um, detachment and, uh, you know, management. And I think from the school level, because based on what we know, like about suicide, there are something that can be done. Now, it's not uncommon for school, you know, sometimes, you know, they have like local schools, you know, in particular, sometimes they do have tests and exams right after the holiday. But then like some of the information we know already, like, uh, you know, the, the, the period of time immediately right after holiday is a peak season. So instead of having it right after, like, the tests and exams and quizzes right after the holiday, maybe we should give one or two weeks time, you know, for the students to warm up back to their usual, usual schedule from holiday mood, you know, back to their normal schedule. And then if have exams and quizzes maybe two or three weeks afterwards, you know, sometimes we do need to think from the student's perspective and I think, you know, some of this measure. Right. You know, um, and, uh, and Dr. Lam, um, you mentioned yeah. early detection. Now, earlier, yeah. uh, we, we had a, a guest on, Alan Din, who's a lecturer at the Department of Social Work at uh, the Chinese University. He, he talked yeah. about hidden cases. And then another previous guest from a Kelly Support Group, she talked about how there are fewer um, young people calling into uh, their referral system that offers advice to young people. Um, mm -hmm. how, what's your advice? I mean, how do we uh, 
try to offer help to、uh, people who don't want to be helped. Right. Okay. Now, well, well, I I think because students they spend most of the time, you know, at school. Now, so like for early detection, we have to like、uh, focus on、uh, the school personnel, like including school social workers, teachers. You know, these are you know, and also the the、um, the counselling psychologists in school. These are the gatekeepers because very often teenager this. You know, in this stage of their life, you know they don't have a lot of interaction with their parents. So, like the school can detect early, you know, by doing some professional,、um, you know, training workshops, so that they are more aware of the signs and symptoms. Now, now, and and then, of course, you know, I think in the long run, like、uh, the destigmatization at school would be very important because for some parents in particular, and also to to a certain extent to some students, sometimes for them stepping out is a a very hard step. In particular, I think for parents, for them, like most of the time, like even there are some issues with,、um, you know, their 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 students or my, I mean their kids. I think、um, they're very reluctant, you know, to seek help. It's not the fact that the parents are not aware of, you know, the the you know the the psychological health issues that, you know,、uh, the students are having, but rather. Is you know、um, the difficult for the parents to accept you know accept the fact that there is a loss of hope and expectation because parents they very often believe that you know once you know they got this、uh, you know mental you know、uh, psychological health issues be it anxiety or depression from their point of view they they might think that you know it's something that you know the students from now onwards will be detoured from what they have designed for them you know a lot of things a lot of educations need to be targeted on the parents and of course you know we. Do need to understand the parents' perspective, and also like、uh, the positive message that is the you know, majority of you know、um, the、uh, you know health issues, psychological health issues. If it's found out early, you know very good recovery, and they can you know、uh, they can be you know、uh, you know face the ongoing developmental challenges. You know once it's been dealt, and I think. The message for students and also for the、um, for the parents, I think, regardless how old you are, wherever you are, whenever you have issues, you know, just raise up your hand because a lot of, you know, teenagers with similar age have similar issues. If you look at the WHO, I think like、um, even the、uh, you know the、uh, the latest figures among the 15 to 29 year old, I I think the the、um, the young people who actually committed,、uh, you know,、uh, they are all, already the fourth leading cause of death. You know, suicide. So it's, it's something alarming, and I think, like you know, it's alarm for the whole community. We need to be prepared for these,、um, you know, for these.、Um It's happening. It's not just locally, but I think globally. Right, and, and Dr. Lam, like you mentioned,、yes. uh, these young people they spend a lot of time at, at school. So,、yeah. um, what sort of signs and symptoms should schools、uh, watch out for? Right. Okay. Now,、uh, well. Because, like, I think, like,、um, you know, whether there is any like、uh, mood issues, like whether or not there is any like,、uh, for example, you know, the the student become, you know, exceptionally quiet, or you know, sometimes, you know, when we、uh, talk to students, we can ask more neutral questions about their sleep, and also like whether or not, you know, they're more withdrawn. From their, you know, their peers, because like for students, if they're not interested in study, it might not, you know, it is not a alarming thing. But then, if they're not even interested in interacting with friends, like from their developmental, like point of view, this is something, you know, unusual because at this stage of life, 
you know, this age of life, they are socially interactive, you know, they, they are active. Like if you say, you know, social withdrawal, become isolated, you know, sometimes, you know, I think for, for the, for the teacher, social worker, you know, we, we, we ask them more about, you know, their appetite and things. And sometimes, you know, stress can be manifest as physical symptoms without like verbally saying that I'm stressed out, you know, I'm, I'm depressed. Physical symptoms including, you know, uh, for example, stomach pain, you know, headache, with no physical cause, like even seen by the physician, they can have no physical cause. And these can be signs and symptoms of stress as well, because like, um, you know, it's not uncommon, like during exam periods, a lot of students, you know, they have stomach pain and this and that, you know, it's not like for some parents, they might believe that, oh, they, they just want to avoid, you know, exam and things like that. But th these could also be on early signs and symptoms and also impaired motivation, not feeling motivated to do things. And, um, and also sometimes find it difficult to focus. And as a result, you know, sometimes because of their mood issues, they cannot focus and it's taking them longer to do their revision or do their homework. And as a result, it can be another source of stress. And so these become a vicious cycle for the students. Now, I guess these are the alarm, you know, signs and, you know, uh, you know, signals for, you know, for students' stress, whether or not underlying anxiety and depression. And, uh, yeah, so, so, you know, I think we need to be alert. And also, like, for, um, for signals of, um, you know, suicidality, then, you know, the mood, you know, persisting low mood, you know, not able to sleep, or even verbal, you know, uh, you know, saying that, you know, uh, you know, you know, life is not worth living. Now, these are, uh, very, you know, alarming signs that we need to focus and pay attention to. And I think for schools too, like, even though the student, I mean, the teachers, who face a student, you know, having these signs and symptoms, but also remember there is always backup in the school. Like, I mean, there are people in the school who are more familiar with, you know, uh, the psychological well-being, like, um, you know, counseling and so forth. So there is always backup for teachers and even like, uh, you know, the education bureau and also in the community, there are a lot of, you know, there are resources that people can approach. So, you know, always remember, you know, raise up the questions and always back up there and um, yeah. So a lot of problems right. can be solved. If you have a message for schools and school principals, how what would what would that be? How should what is their role in reducing the stress and pressure on the students? Well, okay. Now, number one is based on what we know. Well, uh, well, well. I guess, like um, you know, after all, I think it's been four years, and this is the first time you know um, the school has resumed. Okay, but we know that the syllabus you know, has, you know, still going on, like, you know, uh, you know, students still need to perform despite the fact that, like, there were online classes and so forth. But then I think it's very important to keep the balance of psychological well-being and also, like, uh, keeping up with the syllabus. So I guess, like, that would be important. And also the, the peak period, for example, like the period of time immediately after holiday, and also like the exam period, I think those period of time, you know, we need to pay attention to in particular the, the students' uh, mental wellness uh, issues. And also I think like overall the school personnel as well, the teachers and, and all okay. that. Right. Thank you very much, um, Mei Lam, founder and president of the Hong Kong Mental Wellness Association. Uh, we're coming up to 10 o'clock. The news will be next, followed by the brunch with Noreen.